Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Goodman Mason, watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, not retail, but wholesale, go to RMFP.com. In the meantime, I want to tell you about Greenfield's Pool and Sports Bar in Lakewood. My buddy Chad owns a great sports bar, and he has put everything together under one roof. Every seat, great seat to watch sports, uh, and it really is. Um, and they have all the packages, of course. They also have a pool hall with 15 tables. If you love pool, great place to go just by itself. Friday, Saturday, live music, no cover. And this happy hour they have, you cannot beat it anywhere. I don't even believe in the country. Two for one, wine well and drafts. Three until seven every day. Yes, that includes the weekends. Two for one, wine well and draft from three until seven. Got to go to Greenfield's Pool and Sports Bar in Lakewood. Time now for the lead. The lead is presented by Smoke and Dave's Barbecue and Brew, Colorado's best barbecue since 2007. Get some tonight in Denver, Longmont, Lions, and Estes Park. There is so much talent now that has migrated from the NFC to the AFC, whether through free agency or trades. And there is so much talent that you can make the case a lot of that talent is even because there are so many great quarterbacks as well. Mm-hmm. With that, how much do you think the coaching staffs are going to play a role in who makes the playoffs? And I'm looking at three teams specifically that might be a little behind the eight ball, not because they're not good. Two of them have never coached before. Two of those guys have never been a head coach before. One is Nathaniel Hackett. And then the other guy is Mike McDaniel from the Miami Dolphins. Both excellent offensive minds. Josh McDaniels is on his second stint, but he is a first-year head coach with the Raiders. And then you still have a young coach in Zach Taylor with the Bengals. Who's been to a Super Bowl, and he's he's going into his fourth year now. Right. By that point, if when you're... He's a young guy. How's he's that? young, but when you're at year four... I agree. You've seen everything. Like, Sean McVay is, a, is still a young coach. Right. But this is year six for him. Right. And I, and I think, honestly, that was uh, part of the reason why the Rams won the most recent Super Bowl. We saw, his experience. we saw this, unfortunately, too much with Vic Fangio. That as a head coach, in-game decisions were not always spot on. And I think I'm mm-hmm. being kind when I say that. How much do you think that will affect maybe the Broncos? That might affect the Dolphins. And how much do you think coaching overall could literally decide games when there is so much talent on both sides of the ball for 12 teams in the AFC that have legitimate chances to not only go to the playoffs, you can make the case. All of those teams, the Chiefs, the Broncos, the Raiders, the Chargers, the Bills, the Patriots, maybe, the Dolphins with their offense, the Browns, pretty good roster top to bottom, 
Bengals, Ravens, Titans, and Colts, all of them have rosters that are good enough to win Super Bowls. Well, when they're all talented and they're all relatively close together, you start saying, okay, games end up being won at the margins, and they get won by coaches, by coaching decisions, by whether one is somebody who has a good feel for in-game decisions and the other is not. I mean, Vic Fangio, I think, had a poor feel for in-game decisions. Right. Um, and we don't look, we don't know how good Nathaniel Hackett's going to be at that. We don't know how good Mike McDaniel's going to be at, at that down in Miami. That's, you, you can be a talented coach, but until you've done it, you really don't know what it's like. Being a coordinator is not the same because you're not making the decision whether to go for it on fourth down or not. So, like you take, exam- for example, Brandon Staley, Chargers. Right. Uh, one one reason they go to the playoffs, you can make the case, was because of him. Because of because he was aggressive on fourth downs. Yep. Now, historically speaking, you even out if you if you have a year where you don't get you don't succeed on fourth downs. Over time, it tends to even out. So there's a de- there's a decent shot probability wise that the pendulum swings back in their direction. I mean the. Literally, the difference between the Chargers going nine and eight and maybe thirteen and four was fourth was some fourth down decisions, and and not just the decisions, the actual execution. There was a logical reason for them to go for those fourth downs a lot. But you think about that, you think about special teams. The more when you the when you have these teams all all so close together, it's going they're they're going to be games decided at the margins. It's going to be you know. Whether your whether your punter is successful at downing at having the punt downed inside the fifteen yard line, stuff like that is going to end up separating these teams if they're so closely bunched together. Right. How much of a concern is that when I'm not saying it's it's not going to happen in the regular season, but when you have a Nathaniel Hackett going up against a Bill Belichick? It's a it's a reasonable concern. Yeah. Um, look, ta- talent's going to win out more often than not. But when it's close, but when it's close, but it's timeouts, managing the clock, all of those things. I'll, I'll quote Vic Fangio: "It's death by inches. Yeah, mm-hmm. <clears throat> little mistakes become big mistakes. Right. It is. So, who, who are the best coaches? So we're talking about." about 12 teams. Give me the top five coaches or coaching staffs. Of this group. Chiefs, Broncos, Raiders, Chargers, Bills, Patriots, Dolphins, Browns, Bengals, Ravens, Titans, Colts. Okay. No particular order. No particular order with your top five. Chiefs. Yep. Lots of layup and same with the Patriots. Those are your one two. Chiefs, Patriots. Uh-huh. Buffalo. Oh, people in Buffalo would disagree with you about that. On Sean McDermott. Oh yeah, I, uh, I heard I heard some Buffalo fans saying that he shouldn't even be the head coach anymore. That's insane. Well, they're, they're wrong. I'm sorry, they're wrong. Okay. Well, uh, I'll say this: not to not to fans tend to have either they tend to view it as either better than it is or worse than it is. Well, no, I understand that, but th- this one person I'm thinking of used to be a longtime sportscaster, so he's 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 not some crazy nutjob fan. He watches every game, and I love you very much, but you don't. 
So you didn't see those little idiosyncrasies that he saw. Well, that's a, but he's probably he. That's why I think like we in Denver view the Broncos maybe too closely. Sometimes you have to take a step back. That's right. Okay. Yep. So I'm going to argue for the Bills, and the other two I'm going to throw in there are the Tennessee, the Tennessee Titans, Tennessee for sure. and the Baltimore Ravens. I would agree. Those are all veteran mm-hmm. head coaches. Yeah. And then, and and I think you said it very well. The wild card is Josh McDaniels. Yep. Are you getting Jekyll or are you getting Hyde? And honestly, we've never seen Jekyll out of Josh McDaniels anyway. But if he can become Jekyll, then that's a good thing because we know he's a brilliant offensive mind. Right. And boy, you can make the case he has more weapons than he has ever had in his career. And if they succeed and he doesn't get too full of himself. Don't. You know what? Maybe the best thing to happen for the Raiders start six and zero, just like he did with the Broncos, and it was all downhill after that. You mean the best thing from the Broncos' perspective for the Raiders is if they start six and zero, and the best thing for the Raiders would be to start six and zero because it looks good. But then Joshy Boy becomes all entitled and full of himself. I can't do anything wrong, and then they collapse. So the Raiders right. wouldn't want that. Well, but they they don't know what we know. It yeah. looks six and zero looks great on paper, right? Until Josh feels entitled, and now he's going to run the that's organization. Why, that's why that was the yeah. worst thing that ever happened to his career. Well, the thing that the, the worst, the one thing that the Raiders did that was probably really smart is it was the package deal with Dave Ziegler and Dave Ziegler's running personnel. Yeah, that they they're not asking they're not asking McDaniel's to run the organization and it's not he's not in a position where he's going to run the organization well he can just coach but, but hold now, on hold on hold on i don't know the relationship between Ziegler and McDaniel's just like i didn't know the relationship between Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch but we know enough about both guys that John Lynch isn't loaded with ego and Kyle Shanahan I'm sure he has plenty of ego, but he but Mike was never a runner. Well, maybe Mike had a pretty pretty healthy ego, but I don't know if Kyle is like that. We we know with Josh McDaniels with his history, he was out of control. For all I know, and I don't know this to be true, but I'll make an assumption here. What if Ziegler's nothing more than a yes man? He got the guy that he knew he can run over. Well, here's and he, and here is the thing. Ziegler's first job in the NFL was with the Broncos as a player personnel assistant when McDaniels worked for the team. Now, he stayed with the Broncos. Oh, that's not good for them. He stayed with the Broncos two years after. Right. That's not a good thing. Well, because, well, wait, whoa, I th- see, whoa, I disagree. We, we just opened a treasure, tra- uh, a treasure chest. I think the thing is you have you have two people that have They've talked about this for a long time because Ziegler did. He joined the Patriots in 2013, about a year about a year or so after McDaniel's came back. I think both of them, with each other, know what they're getting into, and the and and Mark Davis, the Raiders owner, has made it very clear. Ziegler has the final say. He breaks the, that. That's the tiebreaker. And in all fairness. Yeah. Uh, Brian Zanders did not have that type of right. power. And I th- and I think, I do think this is going to work better. And, if, and look, that we come back to the term wild card. If this works, it might be spectacularly good for the Raiders. 
Oh, I agree. And this could be, and it would be spectacularly bad for the Broncos if the Raiders are an elite franchise. Here's something else to consider, and I'll go way back in time on this. I was told this by Brian Zanders. The first draft for Josh McDaniels, I believe, was in 2010. No, it was 09. 09, excuse me. But it was after they, they junked everything in the scouting. Okay, and that's yep. what I, I believe I told yep. you that story. Mm-hmm. And Xanders was told, you need to put together a draft board like I did or we did in New England. It's something that Brian Xanders was not overly familiar with. Mm-hmm. And even Josh McDaniels would likely tell you today that that draft was a bust because they didn't have all the pieces in place on how to put together their draft board. They had no Sean Marino as their first pick, and then they had Robert Ayers as their second pick. Marino was good for a couple of years. He had his problems, certainly. And then Robert Ayers was certainly nothing special. And then they went at Alfonso Smith. When was that pick? They bombed the second round because they traded future one the next year. Yeah. And they picked Alfonso Smith in the second round. And then they picked Darcel McBath and yeah, it was uh, all bad. Tight, the tight end Quinn. All bad. Point is, the next year was the Demarius Thomas draft. Right? Mm-hmm. And they had a very, outside of Tim Tebow, they picked up a couple of pretty good offensive linemen. Zane Beatles. Yep. And J.D. Walton. Walton Eric, De- Eric Decker was a third round pick. So my point is, Ziegler knows the system that McDaniels wants to use because he came from it. You're not going to have these same hiccups mm-hmm. going into this upcoming draft. Coming up after the break, we're going to talk about the draft. You and I had this conversation a couple of weeks ago, and there is a theory. Every draft, you take a quarterback. Every draft, you take a quarterback. Just to see. Throw something up against the wall, hope it sticks. I know you believe that. And generally speaking, I can buy into that. Not this year. Not this year. We'll talk about it next. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back, Afternoon Drive. Goodman, Mason, watch us, milehighsports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, not retail, but wholesale, go to rmfp.com. In the meantime, you can drive your dream car today. If you hop by Rocky Mountain Eurosport in Denver and in Parker, you're not working with some big dealership that's selling volume. It's a one-on-one intimate car buying experience because you know what? Everyone deserves a luxury car buying experience. So whether it's a luxury car, domestic car, foreign car they've got the inventory that you want so you can get the right car at the right price they also service all makes and models they have great finance options i believe they work with 20 different lenders so you're gonna have great opportunity to get what you want when it comes to financing go for a test drive today or find them at rmuresport.com we had oops we had an interest we were having a conversation in the break yes and you were you were thinking about a kicker, kick for Indiana in yes. the 80s, and we're trying to get his name. 
turned out to be Pete Stoyanovich. Well, he played in Florida, so yeah, I was wrong about Tampa, but he played in Miami. And he played for a long time in Kansas City, because do you remember the uh, Bronco Chief game 1997? He hit, I think, a 54-yard field goal at Arrowhead to beat the Broncos. A yeah. game that basically, the game that meant that the Broncos had to go on the road in the playoffs and win right. at Kansas City and at Pittsburgh to make the Super Bowl and then win. Another thing about Stoyanovich, in, you remember Ace Ventura, Pet Detective? I do. He I, was the kicking double. Oh, was he? He was basically Ray oh, Finkel. I did not and know. And he's him. also, his parents were from North Macedonia, oh. which got a historic win in World Cup qualifying today, knocking Italy out of the World Cup finals. For Boy, you know how to tie all that into a boat, And that's you? something. Well done. The reason why we brought up Stoya was... In 1987, I was covering the uh, Indiana football team and the soccer team. Bill Mallory, a lot of people around here know who Mallory is because, you know, he has strong ties to Colorado. Um, Mallory said to Stoyanovich, you have a chance to be a professional kicker. Mm -hmm. So he left the soccer team, and he was a really good soccer player, left the soccer team to kick full-time for the Indiana football team with touchdown Tony. Anthony Thompson, who finished second in the Heisman vote, yeah. to Andre Ware. Anyway, um, the year that he left, Indiana, we, I can say we, uh, we won a national championship in soccer in 88, and we also won a national title in basketball in 87. But enough of my being boastful about my alma mater that stinks in football and in basketball now. Time now for the buzz. <laughs> the buzz is presented by Rocky Mountain Eurosport. Go for a test drive today in Denver or Parker because everyone deserves a luxury car buying experience. Or find them online at rmurosport.com. Sometimes when we have conversations during the break, I think, you know what, this could actually make a really good segment. And this is one of those examples. We were talking about the upcoming draft mm -hmm. on how a lot of teams will take a flyer on a quarterback in later rounds, fourth, fifth, sixth, or seventh round. You said, yeah, they should definitely take a quarterback. I don't think they should at all. Why do you think they should? Because you admit it's a lottery ticket. But if that lottery ticket pays off, even if you have the quarterback, then you can offload that quarterback for much more than the draft capital value. If you pick a, a sixth-round quarterback, and over the course of a couple of preseasons, he shows a lot of promise, then you're able to, potentially trade that guy for a fourth or even a third round pick a couple of years down the line. And then also if you, if something does happen to your starter and you've developed and you've got a quality backup that's developed and is cost controlled, you're you're covered there as well. I agree with you on almost every year except for this year. Mm -hmm. They don't have a first round pick and they lost one of their second round picks. This year, they need to use their picks on position players other than quarterback. I don't mind doing it next year, although they're going to be missing a first-round pick next year, too. And is it another second, too? Yeah, they're missing a second next year. Then well. you don't do it next year, either. you got to use your draft capital to find a Baron Browning late in the draft. You need it for a Caden Stearns. Russell Wilson's planning on playing for a long time. Yeah, you, you can take flyers when you have the draft capital to do it. But this year, they don't specifically in the opening couple rounds like they would like to have. Well, I'm not saying they, they don't. These, yeah, aren't, yeah. These, aren't, these aren't the years to take a flyer on a quarterback. They still might take a guy, and there's that kid out of Western Michigan. It is my understanding they like him a lot. Caleb Ellaby. With that, Caleb Ellaby 
is going to be the number three quarterback on this team. He's going to be your practice squad guy for years to come. And there's probably a very good chance if Russell Wilson stays healthy that the only time he sees the field is in the third and fourth quarter of preseason games, and boom, that's going to be it for him. He's not going to really get a chance to develop. Oh, he's he'll, going get to, the, he'll get the last preseason game, probably. That's fine. I mean, okay. basically, probably he'll get the equivalent of two full preseason games when all of a sudden and done that, And that's a fine. Year. I would rather have that pick on a guy who has an opportunity to play. If you had a first, if you had a full slate of picks, I'm with you on that. But not in the next two years when those picks later in the rounds are very important because those are the picks that you have. How many you have eight selections right now? How many are how many of those selections are probably making the team? I have no idea. I mean six. Six? Okay. All right, if if you only have six spots on your roster, then why not take a flyer on a quarterback just to see? No, it's a good, it's a good argument. However, I would rather see if all eight can make the team. I'd rather see that. The quarterback's got as good a chance as any. I just But he's not really he, Listen, at the end of the day he's not going to play special teams. So he's really not but The going, quarterback is so important. You can find those special teamers you can find those special teamers as you get uh, into the undrafted pool as well. Okay. If you, if you've got a quarterback that you like, and I'm not saying reach for the guy. Well, then you know but what? If, if the if you're sitting there at the end of round six and you like him and he's still there, then, then go you, ahead and take him. Well, then you possibly miss out on Jonathan Cooper because he was a seventh round pick. He's intriguing, but he's still a guy who's a backup. And if they thought so much of Jonathan Cooper, would they be potentially moving Baron Browning over to the edge right now? And you also would, be, the year prior, be missing out potentially in Atani Muti, who they like, and Tyree Cleveland, who they did like certainly for a while. Yeah, but the receivers and are... Javon Winfrey, who is playing for the Packers. Yeah, and and there you go. I mean, there was those. You're talking about receivers who didn't stick. I mean, I hate to say it, but and Chad Kelly, day three receivers are a dime a dozen. Chad Chad Kelly, I'm kidding. yeah, kidding about it. as as Mister Relvin, last pick of the seventh round, that actually talking about the risk reward, that was actually not a bad pick. That's fine. If he could have, but you, know, you don't use yeah. a you don't use a fifth or a sixth rounder. I think no, I th- I think you know fifth rounder is where you probably say it's borderline. Sixth rounder, sixth round is where you're getting into the lottery ticket range. Sixth rounder is just whatever. But that kid's not going to go to the seventh round. Ellaby? No. No, but he might go to the sixth. He might. But and that's ra- fine. Take, take a I, shot but, then. But I'd rather have Muti, wouldn't you? I'd rather have the quarterback. Okay. Well, that, that quarterback. If I, like the, if I like the quarterback. That quarterback may never see the field if, if Russell Wilson is planning on playing all these years. Now, that's not to suggest you don't draft a quarterback when you have the, the draft capital that you want. But you, you need to find guys in the draft who have a really who have a good chance to make your roster. And I understand in the seventh round, it's not as high. Listen, I'm not going to uh, whatever George Payton does. I'm certainly not going to criticize it because he has earned that right through what he did in the draft last year. And maybe they do take a quarterback. Maybe there's nobody they really want that they feel that can make the roster in the sixth round mm-hmm. or the seventh round. But clearly. He has proven, talking about George Payton, that he can find a guy like Jonathan Cooper in the seventh round. Now, granted, they got him because there were injury concerns. Mm-hmm. That's why he slipped to where he did. 
Right? Yeah. All right. Uh, coming up after the break, uh, one of my opinion, one of the best movies of all time came out. Not came out because it didn't come out on this date. But according to the movie, hmm. according to the movie, there were a bunch of kids sent to detention in one of the greatest, in my opinion, coming of age movies of all time. Is this the best ever? The one we are talking about. It's next. Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman, Mason. Watch us, MyLifeSports.com. You can reach us, Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at Mason Denver, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, not retail, but wholesale for your next project, save a lot of money and go to rmfp.com. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending is presented by Impact Real Estate. Impact Real Estate is creative real estate and solutions with the greatest impact. Go to impactcommercial.co. Okay, according to the movie The Breakfast Club, a bunch of kids... A jock, a burnout, basket case, a nerd, all went to detention. Don't forget the princess. And the princess. What was then Maine North High School on the North Shore of Chicago, which is where I grew up. And what I love about the John Hughes movies, and I've said this on the air, but for me, those John Hughes movies were, the, that was my generation. Uh, the 1980s. That's when a lot of these came out. These are referred to as coming-of-age movies. And when you're in high school, you are coming of age. Mm -hmm. So 16 Candles and Breakfast Club and Home Alone, even though that's not a coming-of-age. All these John Hughes movies mm -hmm. were filmed in my neighborhood. I had friends who were extras in all of these movies. With that, what are some of the best coming-of-age movies of all time? And how high... Is Breakfast Club on your list? I'd say Breakfast Club's number one. Is it? In this genre, in fact. And the Internet Movie Database agrees with me on this. Well, in that case, you yeah. have to be right. Yeah. So if I disagree with you, I am disagreeing with the Internet Database. It's hard, but it's, first of all, even though it's of its time, it's held up very well. Yes. Over the decades. It will hold up forever. Teenagers are going to be watching this movie Probably, probably for as long as there are movies. There are certain listen. There, there are certain movies that stand the test of time, and for coming of age movies, this is why this movie will stand the test of time. I'll never forget. I was in high school, and the movie came out in 1984. I believe I was a sophomore at the time. Mm -hmm. Okay, Glenbrook South High School, North Shore, Chicago. I went to Glenbrook South. Ferris Bueller filmed at Glenbrook North. Mm -hmm. That was my neighborhood. So when you see the car driving away, do you have a kiss for daddy? When, yeah. you, when you look from the stairs at Ferris Bueller, the field behind him is where I played football. Mm -hmm. That should sum it up. And when they're driving the car on the right, that's Glenbrook North High School. 
That's where I played football. Anyway, the teacher that I had said to me, or said to all of us, said to the class, we were talking about the movie. I mean, this was a music class. This was not a theater class. Mm -hmm. And he said, what makes this, and I'll never forget him saying this. He said, what makes this movie so great is there there is probably at least one character in this movie that you can identify with. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes this movie so great. In some way, you can identify. Doesn't mean you are. Doesn't mean you're the nerd. Doesn't mean you're a burnout. Doesn't mean you're the jock. But there's at least one character that you can relate to. And that's why this movie will stand the test of time. That was the genius of it. Yes. To effectively have a cross section uh, of stereotypes. Of stereotypes yeah. That you. Not, I, and again, this is why I say it's of its time, but it's timeless because those same stereotypes exist among every high among high schoolers today. And it will any suburb that yep. you can find in the United States, you're going to find those five type personality types represented. All right, so give me three more. So I'll put Breakfast Club. Actually, I can't put Breakfast Club at the top of my list. Okay. It, it's a solid number two. What's your number one? My number one is a is a movie that not a lot of people know about. Mm-hmm. It was written by Chaz Palminteri. It was a play first, then became a movie, and it's called A Bronx Tale. Okay. And it is so brilliantly written. It's with Robert De Niro and Chaz Palminteri. It's a coming-of-age story and has to do with a gangster. Mm-hmm. And there's so many outstanding life lessons in this movie and it's funny, and it's smart. Um, I'll just give you one example from it. I was talking to a friend of mine just the other day, mm-hmm. and I brought up this movie. Yeah. This friend of mine, and not to get w- w- way too into the weeds on this, she's having an argument with her family about her father's will. Mm-hmm. And there is a $2,500 uh, bill that they have to pay to the attorney. Mm-hmm. And one brother is really, really controlling. Another one's completely checked out. She's absolutely disgusted with this entire situation. Mm-hmm. And she's upset with a lot of her family members. And I said, there's a scene from a Bronx tale that I'm going to tell you about. And this might sum it up for you. I said, can you afford to pay that $2,500 on your own? She said, I can. I said, then pay it and just be done with it. Just be done with it. So there's a scene in the movie. The The main character's name is Colodro, but they call him C. Mm-hmm. And there's a kid that owes Colodro money. And every time he sees Colodro, the kid runs the other direction. He always has an excuse why he can't pay the money. So the gangster, who is Chaz Palminteri, said, C, get over here. He said, what, 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 why do you keep going after this kid? He goes, well, he owes me $10. He said, let me ask you something. Do you like this kid? He goes, no, I can't stand him. He said, he owes you $10, right? He said, yeah, he owes me $10. He's not going to pay me. He said, look at it this way. You, if you just basically spent $10 to get this kid out of your life forever, 
He's never going to come near you. He's never going to talk to you. So you just paid him $10. To, he's never going to ask you for money. Mm. You just paid him $10 to get out of your life forever. And I told that to my friend and she said to me, oh my God, that's exactly what I need to do. And those are the type of life mm. lessons out of this movie. Yeah. Not every coming of age movie is like a life lesson movie. Right. But uh, like, for example, weird science yeah. isn't and they're like not super bad. Yeah. Super right. bad is a great coming of age movie. Yeah. And it's hilarious. And yeah. It's rival rival, but it's a different type of coming of age movie than breakfast club. Stand by me is a coming that's, of age. Movie. That's one that I was going to say, stand yes. by me. And again, it can be a funny movie, but there's something beneath that. Ferris Bueller's day off is a coming of age movie. And that is an absolute classic. You yes. know where that was filmed? That was also Lumberg, the, North high school. Right. Yeah. And, but for me, like the coming of age in that film is Cameron. Like to me, the movie doesn't start until Cameron shows up. Interesting. Because that's what kind of it's ultimately it's him trying to drive Cameron out of his comfort zone. Right. All the way through. That's that's the narrative thrust of the film. Right. To me, that it's Ferris Bueller's day off. But to me, it's the Cameron Fry story. Right. I'll give you another movie. This is not a John Hughes movie, but it was filmed, I believe, in Wilmette on the North Shore of Chicago. <laughs> Risky business. Yeah. Sometimes in life, you just have to say, what the blank. Or, and also, looks like the University of Illinois. U of I, here I go. <laughs> because everybody pretty much seemed like went to U of I, which is the University of <laughs> Illinois. Yeah. And by the way, they actually have it right, unlike CU. It's U of I, the University of Illinois. I do not, not Illinois University. I do not get this peculiar old Big Eight territory thing of getting it backwards. Right. Why is the University of Missouri MU? Why is the University of Oklahoma OU? Why is the University of Denver DU? Right. I'll give you another great coming of age movie. Okay. And it's The Karate Kid. Yes, that's a good one. Now, I'm not suggesting you liked the fifth one. Or however many that they had, or maybe you watch Cobra Kai now, which actually is as addictive as cocaine. Honestly, <laughs> I mean, you, I mean, they put them all out at the same time. They don't do episode after episode. They put them all on Netflix at the same time, and you find yourself binge watching the entire. See, day. like HBO and Disney Plus, they still do the once a week thing. Like right now, HBO has got the one about the Lakers of the '80s winning time. I haven't watched. And they're that. doing. Have you watched that? Did incredible. I love it. Remember I told you I really wanted to watch it because of the producer? Well, now I'm going to watch it. So it is that good. I heard it was great. great. It's It's great. It's incredibly compelling. Yeah. They do, if if you're looking for absolute fealty to timelines and facts, that's not what this is about. They play a little loose and fast with the It's like, have you you watched The Crown on Netflix? No. Okay. But you you know of it, right? It's about the royal family. Yes. And... You get you get a sense of who the people are, but it's not a documentary. Right. Okay. And I would say in many ways this is kind of a an American and more ribald version of the crown. Right. There is one thing that you need to see if you have not seen it. You of all people need to see this. Okay. And I'm guessing you have, because you're smart enough to say this is a movie I want to see. You you get Netflix, don't you? Yeah. Have you ever seen the Queen's Gambit. No, not yet. You of all people need to watch this movie. Okay. It's a show, isn't it? Or a show. Whatever. It's a series, I believe. Yeah. 
It's not a movie. It's like a six-part series. It's a great. Yeah, it's incredible. Did you see it? Very well done. Yeah. Unbelievably. So good. So stinking good. What do we have coming up on Just In Case You Missed It? We will, in fact, get to that Rockies trade that went down and uh, a pretty big soccer game tonight that may conflict with some people's plans to watch one of the greatest basketball coaches of all time. We'll talk about all that next right here on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason on Mile High Sports. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman, Mason. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Time now for the final word. The final word is presented by the McKenzie Law Firm. Don't wait before it's too late. Protect your family by setting up a will, living will, or estate plan with Dan McKenzie at themckenziefirm.com. Just in case you missed it. The Colorado Rockies have traded Rymel Tapia and minor leaguer Adrian Pinto to the Toronto Blue Jays for outfielder Randall Grishuk and cash considerations. Anilo described this trade earlier uh, when we were talking about it as speed for power uh, from a Colorado standpoint. What do you make of this most, in, most recent addition by the Rockies? It's a good way of describing it. I mean, the thing with Grishuk, he, he can be very explosive and can bring a lot of power. And certainly there are going to be times where he feasts at Coors Field, but he's also an incredibly streaky player. Like he'll go into a funk for about four weeks. I'll give you, I love what Anilo said, but tell me how this satisfies your appetite. He is Sam Hilliard 2.0. Beast or famine. He's either going to strike out or hit a home run. The difference is Hilliard is far more athletic and he's a much better defensive player because the guy they just picked up is a liability in center field. He's a liability. There's just there's no way to sugarcoat it. However, when he gets a hold of it, he's great, but he strikes out. His strikeout-to-walk ratio is very similar to Hilliard, and Hilliard needs to find a way to either shorten his swing or do something uh, because he has a ton of talent, but he just strikes out too much. Just in case you missed it, big-time soccer match tonight between the U.S. men's national team and Mexico in Mexico City at Azteca Stadium. That game at 8 o'clock p.m. Mountain Time. Mace, are you looking forward to this uh, clash of good old-fashioned soccer rivals? It's massive. It's part of a, a very big uh, very big week here for U.S. soccer. They've got three matches here coming up in the next, in the next week. This one, and really, actually, the biggest match in terms of their World Cup qualification potentially would be against uh, against Panama this coming weekend on Sunday. U.S. has never had a win at the uh, Azteca. A draw would be more than fine coming out coming out tonight to allow that would that would because right Panama is going to play at roughly the same time against Honduras. 
Panama is four, has four points behind both the U.S. and Mexico in the standings. If the U.S. can get a draw, and pa- even if Panama wins tonight, then the U.S. is going to be in great position, even to only get a draw and move on to the move on to the next round. But this is still one that there's there's a lot of pride on the li- on on the line here. There's a scenario where the U.S. could clinch their path to the World Cup finals tonight. Um, it's very unlikely, but if you can go if you can go out there tonight. Maybe, you know, muck it up a little bit, get a draw. That's going to be a hell of a result for the Americans. How am I going to follow that? I mean, you just basically covered everything. I don't even know the U.S. have a soccer. Yeah, they got uniforms and everything. It's really, really? great. Are they red, white, and blue? Yeah, actually more red. Yes, There's not are. much white, mostly red and blue. How many uh, How many minutes do you think Alexi Lawless is going to play? Oh, God, come on. He hasn't played for the team in 20-some-odd years. How about Ray Donovan? Ray Donovan's a show. Oh, that's right. Landon Donovan there. has retired, been retired for... For a My few bad. years now. My yes. Bad. <laughs> Just in case you missed it, an unfortunate conflict for uh, those that are fans of both international soccer and college basketball. Tonight could be Coach K's final career game as uh, the Duke Blue Devils are taking on the Texas Tech Red Raiders, 7.39 p.m. So a little bit of uh, conflict there with that USA-Mexico game, but are you going to watch simply for the fact that this could be the final game for Coach K. Well, I'm going to I'm gonna follow that up. Yes, I will. I think. I, I, we're, we're watching uh, Billions. Tonight. You're watching Billions. Yeah. Okay. So, But I'll, I'll have a chance to catch the game. I'll ask you, Tar Heel fan. Yeah. What would be a better night for you? The U.S. beating Mexico or Duke losing and it's the end of Mike Krzyzewski? Wow, you had to think about it. I'm going to stay positive. I'm going to say I U.S. winning. But how do you really feel, though? Don't you have to stay positive for for my benefit? No, I just I'm going. You want to see it end tonight for Shashevsky? I'm going to choose the positive over the Schadenfreude. Fine. Do you want to see Shashevsky's career end tonight? Forget about the soccer. If I had to see it end, I'd rather see it end against Gonzaga. If Gonzaga wins tonight, all right. I'm not a fan of the the general Big Twelve style of play. Huh? It's a football on the court. I'm not, I gave I you an opening that. to go after Shashevsky again. I'm easily the greatest Scrabble word in the history of men's college basketball. <laughs> yeah, I thought you couldn't use proper nouns. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. I guess if well, if you were playing pop, proper noun Scrabble, I guess. But yeah, you're yep. right, Dan. You can't That's use true. proper nouns. <laughs> yep. I am hoping for the uh, North Carolina Duke matchup in the Final Four. I think that would be the ultimate way for Coach K to get Already, out. already, <laughs> if you look at Mason at MileHighSports.com, I don't think that your body could handle that. I, I don't know if you've I, ever had an ulcer, I'm gonna say, but I think you might have one before I that game. I think I already have an ulcer, but that's uh, that's neither here nor there. Um, the thing is, I've, I've always said this, and I'll say it to you guys. I haven't really wanted to ever see that matchup in the Final Four because I wouldn't wish the agony on the loser. Even I, I wouldn't even want Duke people to go through that. What would be worse? What, what would be better? Okay. What would be worse? Yeah. Duke beating North Carolina or Mexico beating the United States? Duke being Carolina. You, well, you know what? Clearly, you're not a patriot. <laughs> Clearly, you hate the United States. Oh, God. Stop it. It's all The, about the you. U.S. can still qualify if they lose tonight, okay? Okay. Elimin- They're not eliminated. That's the thing. Fine. It, let's it, say it's an elimination they- game. Elimination game, U.S. 
The U.S. loses or North Carolina loses to Duke? Oh, come on. Why do I have to choose? Because I asked you. You could ask me, but you didn't. You asked me. I don't know. Okay? They're both bad. They're both awful. I'd be I'd be angry as hell with both. I do, I do still get upset about results you sometimes. To, you should move to Russia. Oh, God. those people hate the U.S. too. They're crying out way, loud. way to go, Mason. Love it or leave it, baby. Love it or leave it. All right, that's going to do it for us. Andrew, Danny, great job. Mace, you're going to have two TVs on tonight, right? Or one TV, one, one uh, iPad, but yeah, I'll have two screens. One on Sesame Street, the other one, rerun at 24. Make it the best possible night you can. Another one bites the dust, another one gone, and another one.